It is my privilege to be here this morning. I am very happy, uh, Dr. Davis, you brought a pulpit just my size. <laughs> my favorite kind of pulpits. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 today, if you have a Bible with you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll begin reading in verse 4. I confess to you, I don't know if this makes me a heretic. I rarely read from a hard print Bible anymore. I almost read all electronically. I have everything on my phone, so every place I go, I have a Bible, and I love it. It helps me read much more than I used to even. All right, this morning I'm going to try to do something. You'll see the title uh, above you, wherever, wherever they show up. <clears throat> I'm going to explain, apply a text, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. But my idea is one of the purposes that the Jewish believers used in the past for resetting their life or restarting their life. Uh, this today is, I'm sure you've heard all of this. You will learn nothing new, but hopefully I can encourage you in that way. I do need to mention I have my wife here this morning, Jenny. Uh, she's put up with me almost 43 years here in about two months. I have a cousin that's put up with me that long also, but at a distance, Mike. I like him. Uh, he does not like me, but I like him. I have, of course, more importantly... I have pastored Lake County Baptist. I'm going to enter my 27th year shortly. The, one of our three pastors, Tim Coat, graduated from here. I think it was 1822. Is that right? What year was it actually? 92. He has been at our church. This is his 29th year. Um, I don't work. He does all the work. My son in K-5 was asked a question. You know, they do that little game, what does your dad do? And John's Warren, you know, so he's one of the last kids. And they go around the room, and my dad was a police officer and everything. They get to me, or John gets to my story, and he says, and this is a true story. My dad doesn't work. He's a pastor. <laughs> so in our cir circumstances, I don't work, but Pastor Koak works. He does all the work, and I appreciate him very much. He is not only one of our pastors, he's one of my good friends. All right, I'm going to read, and then we will begin this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and, thou shalt be a, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. So what I'm going to try to do is, in a very short time, and by the way, uh, folks, Young people, you're much younger than me. I, I still remember the founder of this place, Dr. Cedarholm. I was your age when I heard him. He could not get through the introduction in 30 minutes. 
he, that was just the introduction to the introduction. So this morning, I'm not preaching like Dr. Cedarholm. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you for this special occasion. Thank you for these wonderful faculty members. Thank you for the students here. It's been our privilege to send students here and have graduates from this wonderful place in our ministry. There are probably no places that we appreciate any more than Maranatha Baptist University. May I be a small blessing to them this morning, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Great Reset. About a year ago, I went to my office, as I always do on Sunday morning, normal time, everything is normal. I got there at 9.15 or so. Sunday school starts at 10.50 or 9.50. I went to my computer, which I normally do, and I was going to print up some verses. Control-Alt-Delete. Type in your password code. Nothing happened. I forgot the night before the electricity had gone out. It had shut my computer and put it in dead mode. And I'm looking at the clock thinking, I don't have much time. I need to hurry. So I turn my computer on. Now, I have bad habits. Pastor Kowak has none. He gives them all to me. I don't turn my computer off. Our IT person always complains. You never turn your computer off so it never updates. So I turn the computer on thinking it's going to come on. I'm going to put my password and I'm ready to go. I forgot about those 15 minutes of updates. It hadn't been updated in about a year. Now, I don't know about you. Do you talk to computers? (laughs) You stupid thing. Would you hurry up? I'm all upset because it isn't coming on. Finally, it comes on. Then I forgot. I have a wonderful laser printer, dual-sided laser printer, but it's old. It's been updated with memory. It was locked up, too. You say, what's the point of this story? You know, sometimes, like a phone, you just have to turn it off and turn it back on. Friends, the point of this text One of the points Jewish believers used this for was to kind of restart their life. Maybe reset their life or maybe recenter their life. So actually, I'm going to talk about the text, but every idea is this. There has to come a time at times, I'm going to recommend three times, daily, weekly, and periodically, meaning Maybe New Year's, maybe your birthday, maybe a special time in the year when you just do this. I've got to turn this off. I've got to restart life. I've got to reset life. And this text resets us at the proper place. We notice in verse 4, the key text, and I have to do several things here this morning, which I'm really good at. Have I turned this thing on? Yes, I have now. Maybe. Is that me or somebody back there doing it? All right. What is the Great Reset? Well, if you would look in your, in your Bibles, the great, the great Reset, the first idea is the Great Reset to a God-centered life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. <clears throat> I put the Hebrew in there. Because it looks pretty. 
Shema Yisrael, Eloheinu, well, it's actually Yahweh, Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. I love to hear it because, friend, part of the reset, our lives get distracted. And the more distracted our lives get, the more they become about us and our problems and our difficulties. And sometimes you just have to say, wait a minute, stop, stop. I need to reset my life and get it geared in a God-centered way. The day you got saved, salvation always includes the idea of repentance in some fashion, the turning from sin to God. But another way of thinking, friends, is this. Salvation is coming to an end of yourself. No longer do you think your righteousness, your efforts will get you to God. Part of our problem is we stop there. So there was a point in time, maybe when we were 12 or 20 or 30, that we got saved. We came to an end of ourselves, but we come back to ourselves. Think about ourselves. The world starts revolving around us. The text is the great reset to a God-centered life. God-centered, no longer self-centered, no longer wrapped up in self, no longer with the self-confidence. That happens the day we get saved. The verse on the board, everybody here knows. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I heard that verse as a very young child, but I never understood the not of yourselves. Friends, the great reset is not just that you can't work your way to heaven. It's not of you. And to reset yourself every once in a while, maybe daily helps, weekly helps, periodically, is to come back to, I'm not the center of the universe here. There are many verses like this. You know these verses. Whoops, I want to show these. I have to tell a story on myself. It's not a nice story. 1975, I graduated from high school and I joined the United States Navy. Navy. Water. I didn't know how to swim. I never made the connection between Navy, water, swimming. You say, why? I was young and very dumb. So I joined the United States Navy, and the first week in boot camp, after they shave your head and do all kinds of weird clothing changes and all other things, you go to the pool. First thing they did in the morning for about three hours is they taught us how to float with different things. Believe it or not, you can take your shirt off, and you can fill it with air, and it will hold you up for a period of time. We did a lot of that. That was fun. But I dreaded it because I knew what was happening. I was going to have to prove to them I could swim, and I was praying for a miracle. Oh, Lord, help me. My name is W. Warren, so I'm one of the last guys. They go through, and it's a big swimming pool. There's like three or four guys around the edges with these very long poles with a hook on the end, and basically it's this simple. You had to walk up to to a diving board. I think the diving board was 100 feet probably 10, but it looked like 100. 
and you had to walk off like you were going off the side of a ship. You crossed your arms, you stepped off, and you crossed your legs, and you went straight down. Some of the guys swam fine. Some of them swam like a rock. And I'm hoping for a miracle. Finally, my turn comes, and friend, I step off of that, and I swim just like a rock. The rest of that day, they put you in the rock platoon. So when you go to eat at night, you march to the food, and they call you the rock platoon or patrol, and it's embarrassing, it's humiliating. The next morning, I'm back at the pool, and some old nasty chief walks in there, and he's mean as a snake, and you know what? He teaches us how to float. You see guys doing it. The first thing they do is teach you to go in, listen, go into the water, put your hands behind your back, arch your back, and do nothing except the tips of your toes. Just do this. Within 15 minutes, I could float. By, by noon, I was out of the rock patrol, platoon. You say, was that good? That was a happy day. But listen, what I learned was this. When I jumped off and went into that water, Guys were just like me, splashing. We didn't know how to, we were going crazy. And the crazier you got, the faster you went down. The key was to quit doing all that stuff, allow your body to float, and you'd float right to the top. Oh, I want to just share one other thing with you. There's another value we learned in the United States Navy. You could be the best swimmer at Maranatha. If you went off a ship in the North Sea and you tried to swim, you would last maximum in the North Sea where it's cold, 45 seconds. Because the more you swam, the more energy was gone, dissipated. If you just fell into the water and floated, you could last as long as 45 minutes. My friend, a self-centered life is not where God wants you to be. Something must bring us back to this God-centered life. So maybe you do it in the mornings, the afternoons. It's not important when you do it. It's important that you recognize you must do things. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Something must bring us back to a God-centered life from all of the distractions and the problems. And there's lots of stuff happens. Matthew 16, 24, most of you know it. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Friends, you get a lot of debate. Is this about salvation or is this about living your Christian life? It's both. When you get saved, you come to an end of yourself. The Christian life moves forward by being God-centered, not centered on you and your emotions. You're young. May I say this? All of you have the potential, because you're young, of actually growing up in a God-centered way. If you get to be 50 years old and you've lived your life as you as the center of the universe, it's awfully difficult, very difficult to change. It is a God-centered life. <clears throat> Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says, I die daily. So whether we do this daily, which I recommend, weekly, on the Lord's Day and periodically throughout the year to recenter, maybe at one's birthday, a special day. You can use different verses. I like this verse here, both of them. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice 
and be glad in it. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. These are verses, friends, that I personally have used to start my day. And I, I have to say this, this is since it's my opportunity in chapel. I always start my day the night before. I never start my day in the morning. I start my day in the night before with verses like this. So when I go to sleep, my mind is on something about God and him as opposed to all of the problems of my life and all the difficulties I try to go to sleep the night before being God-centered. So when I wake up the next morning, I'm already there. These are two verses that I have used. I have used many verses through the years. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. 2 Corinthians 1.3, blessed be the God Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How so? We do it by the comfort wherewith we are comforted of God. One of my favorites, now unto the King, eternal. Friends, friends, I don't care what verse you use. Do your own verses. But I'm going to say this, the key of life is you've got, when you get saved, you come to the place where you recognize I'm a sinner before God. Anything I can offer God won't save me. You come to an end of yourself. Friend, that's your Christian life. That's not, that's not the first day. That's the whole Christian life. So restarting keeps coming back to a God-centered life. Daily, weekly, I have a lot of other verses. For time, I'm going to have to skip. These are all verses through the years that I have used in my own thinking. I want to just quote on this point one verse. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Second concept, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. A God-centered life, we reset to that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. What else? The great reset to a love-based, or I prefer a love-fueled life. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now, friends, on the, on the board, many Christians believe Christianity is different fundamentally than the Old Testament. What I find in this text is, in the New Testament, the love of God in Christ is the fuel that drives our activities. I think it's the same in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy says this, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. He goes on to say, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Verse seven, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people but because the Lord loved you. My friend, to me, Christianity, our faith starts with the love of God in Christ for me and my love for him 
and my love, that his love coming through me for other people, it is a love-based life. 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. I had a man in my church, he's with the Lord now. He joined the United States Army in 1938. He was in the Army before World War II. He was one of the simplest men I ever met. His IQ was very low. He was so average that you would never notice him. But I visited him in the hospital once a week or so for the last two years of his life. And every time I walked in the door, I would, I'd be seated at the end of the bed. Bill Burfield would be seated at the front. Bill Burfield, he was about 90 at the time, would look at me and he would always say the same words. I love him because he first loved me. Bill Burfield would not make a ripple in this room except this. For about 30 years of his life after retirement, that man got up at 4 a.m. every day drove from his home down to the VA hospital, made coffee and got donuts and things ready for for veterans. And he did it because he loved men that had served in the military. He did it for nothing. Oh, he did it for something. I love him because he first loved me. My friend, the love of God either fuels your life or what fuels your life is something that's not healthy. I understand Dr. Saxon was trying to correct me last night. He, he spends a lot of time trying to fix me. It's a hopeless cause, brother. <laughs> Friends, I understand that guilt, there's an element of guilt in the Bible. I understand there's an element of potential shame in the Bible. I understand there's an element of fear. But the core of the Christian life is we love him because he first loved us. About 30 years, every morning, 4 a.m., he went down to serve veterans. Many of them had been messed up because of the war. He did it. He didn't get paid. He didn't do it for people to know. Actually, most of the people in our church never knew it. But he loved the veterans. And he he says, God loved me. Just that simple. Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth me. I think that's not bad either. For God so loved the world. I think you've heard these verses, haven't you? I think you've probably heard this verse, and walk in love even as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Galatians 2.20, who loved me and gave himself for me. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth God is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not God, loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. I have a photo there. That lady is a giant woman. I have a picture of her, I think. Well, that's another picture of her. I took that off of Google Duo. When I was a boy, she lied and told me she was five foot two. 
I think it's more 411 and it's approaching 410 now. My friends, last, last Thursday, that, that woman turned 90. No one ever has to ask me to, do you have to do something for your mother? The first voice I ever heard was that woman. The first person that ever loved me was that woman. All this guilt nonsense and fear nonsense and shame, I would do anything for that woman that I could do. Why? Because the first human that ever loved me was her. How about God? You say, you're a mama's boy. This is Chicago language. Duh. Oh, who is that crazy guy? I have five grandsons. You say, do you like them? Not a bit. (laughs) This is my daughter's two, and that's the oldest one over there having fun. This is Jesse and Evan. I have three older. My son has three also. I don't have pictures real recent of them. Here's them hiding in a cabinet. You say, do you love them? Look at me, friend. I don't have to do something for my grandchildren. I actually only have to do one thing. I'm a, I'm a grandpa. Grandpa's job is to say yes. <laughs> Parents' job is to say no. And I'm very good at saying yes. So Jesse comes into my office and wants chocolate. He doesn't call it chocolate. Well, the answer is yes. If he wants a soda, the answer is yes. You say he's only two and a half. The answer is yes. If he wants the car keys, the answer is yes. (laughs) You say, why? I love him. Friend, can I say something to you? Please hear me. I understand college. By the way, Maranatha is a very healthy place. You might get irritated at some things. Let me just say this to you. This is a very healthy place. Very healthy. You've got people that actually care about you here. That's shocking. You're going to get irritated at some things. You're young. You're trying to become an adult. I got it. But friends, don't live your Christian life based on fear, guilt, or shame. Base your Christian life on the God of the universe loved me. Send his son to die for me. He now gives me the, the ability to live this life. You've got to do some things, though, because life gets complex and all of these things happen to you, and you get all wrapped up in these things. That's okay. Reset, come back to a God-centered life, to a love-fueled life. Now, just so you know, my wife loves, they love my wife much more than me because she is really good to them, but I love those boys. I got to go back and say one thing real quick about this woman, and I have about three minutes, I think. My mother isn't perfect. Folks, she's a country girl. I mean, pure country. She taught me, you know where you learn grammar from? You learn grammar from your mother. Here's the tragedy. My wife is an English teacher. Both of my children have perfect grammar. My mother was a country girl. You know at 65 years old, I still want to say, warsh. And worse, my mother would still tell me, go wash your hands in the zinc. I don't know where she got it from. 
But friends, I want to say this. I love that woman. Yes, I do. It was a very great pleasure for me and my sisters, mostly, to have a 90th birthday party for her. That's a great pleasure. I hope she outlives me. The women in her family live to be old. She might. I'm going to conclude this morning with the last idea. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So we have a great reset to a God-centered life, to a love-fueled life. God loved me, I love him. And because he loved me, I love other people. I mean, it just works. You don't have to force me. I actually had a pastor in another country ask me this last week, how do you get people, force people to come to church? That's like forcing people to love their mother. I don't get it. Once you have tasted of the love of God, that fuels the system. But the Bible has to be a part of this. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. What do you do with them? Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. I only have time for one story. It's a true story. It's a story from one of my good friends, Fred Moritz, Dr. Moritz. He tells the story of visiting one of his friends that I think they went, I think they were in seminary together, but not the same year. Dr. Myron Houghton, which is now with the Lord. Fred Moritz, Dr. Moritz would always tell me that he told me this story this week again, because I called him. He loves the story. He was over at Dr. Myron Houghton's home, and he taught at Faith. He was over at his home, and Dr. Myron Houghton never married. You know how males are when they never marry? They're a little weird. Well, males are weird anyhow, but they're a little extra weird when they don't get married. He said, I went into his house, and every place you looked, there were books, just stacks. Then I'm thinking to myself, that's like my house, and I'm married. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Much to my wife's chagrin. He said this, I went into the kitchen. Now, Dr. Houghton never cooked. And Dr. Moritz laughingly told me again this week, he says, I'm glad I never ate there either. He said, I went into the kitchen. There's just books on the kitchen counters. Just books every place. I don't know what overtook him, but this is Dr. Moritz said, I opened the oven and there were books in the oven. (laughs) You say, why do you tell that story? Please look at me, friend. Here it is. The great reset is going back to being God-centered, not self-centered. Love-fueled and Bible-saturated. And where should the Bible be in your life? And I conclude with this. Every place, just like Dr. Myron Houghton's home, books in the oven. The Bible needs to be every place in your life. I think that's what Maranatha would like from you. God-centered, love-fueled, Bible every place, Bible-saturated. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning.
Thank you that we can come here and talk about serious matters. And Father, most important this morning is this concept of being able to know that we must kind of reset things. Life interrupts life. All of the stuff that goes on, and it doesn't get less with age, it gets different. Bless these young people. Thank you for them. Thank you for the many, many good folks that that are here teaching and loving these young people. May we live God-centered lives. Love fuel lives, Bible-saturated lives, and the Bible is every place. May it be so in Christ's name, amen.